Hi, I'm Princess Rara. And I'm Dara, the Electro Khaleesi. And this is Pink Kink, the podcast where we talk about the pretty, twisted side of kink. Today's episode is produced by our electrifying pink kinksters, the ESW, Jay, Tempest, Brianna Lynn, Daddy J, Fabe, Embers, William P, Lady, Claire, Savage Heart, Mr. N and Mrs. Jess, Mistress Good Girl, Lady Blooding, Gardener, Daddy Longlegs, Cassie, Primal Empress, Kays, Clockwork, Baby Girl, Harley Gentleman, Mistress Francesca, and Slut Queenie. Pink Kink runs off the generosity of our devoted patrons. As a patron, you will become a member of our special Discord server, receive some adorable Pink Kink stickers, as well as have access to a monthly behind-the-scenes podcast. In addition, our impactful and electrifying Pink Kinksters get special audio and video episodes. And finally, patrons at our highest tier will be recognized as producers, both here on the podcast and on our website. If you would like to become a patron, you can visit us at patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast or click the link at pinkkinkpodcast.com. So I am very excited about today's episode. We have a very, very special guest. It is Sir Ezra from the Sanctuary LAX Studios. Now, for those who don't know, Sanctuary is a very well-known dungeon in Los Angeles. And if you have a chance to go visit, you really should. I have not been so fortunate, but it is on my bucket list. So welcome, Sir Ezra. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, now Sir Ezra has written a book called I love this I love this name. The title alone gets me every time. Mind fucking mindfully. A Guide to Mental Manipulation for BDSM and Sadomasochism. So can I be a slight brat for a second? She'll be a brat the whole time. Why is it not mindfuckfully... Wait. (laughs) You can't even say it. I can't even say it. Why isn't it mindfully mindfucking? Because we are mindfucking and the qualifier is that it's mindfully... I I mean, I don't know. It could have been. It could have been the other one. Look at her mind fucking you already in the beginning did of I, this. Did I do it right? No. You obviously oh. didn't read the book yet because we didn't negotiate. <laughs> I did too, though. You she did? was so good. She did both the reading and the audio book. I did. Oh. I got the audio book too because well, thank you. it helped. I is always that say, your voice? It is, is my voice. voice and I say, okay, yeah, and I say right. I'm not liable if you fall in love with me because I know I have that uh, that deep voice. So It is a pretty good voice. And she is an audio nut about that. Hence why I got the <laughs> audio book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. So, um, Sir Ezra is actually this is I thought was really cool. He's the director of education at mm-hmm. Sanctuary, which I love that you guys have like an education department. It is something I wish our dungeon our dungeons had because we don't have enough education. I know that's one of the things we get asked a lot is where can I go to learn? And so, if we all had education departments at our dungeons, it would be better. Mm-hmm. Well, we do have is once monthly 101 nights in the dungeon that's closest to us. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's run as a department. It's just a once a month you get some people, they show you how to do stuff, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is it that you do that's obviously better than that? This started in November of 2019. I realized that there were 
classes at Sanctuary, but they were like sporadic and you had to know that you could go and teach there, right? There was nobody sort of advertising that that was an option or that was an opportunity. And uh, I was looking for opportunities to be more involved in, in ways to support my dungeon. And so I was like, well, why isn't there somebody who's soliciting educators to bring to the studio and to, to teach classes? Because it's so important. So they were in person for all of three months before the pandemic hit. And, All right. and I was already like pushing for uh, online classes. Like my my vision was that we would have those classes in person and we just have a computer there and broadcast over Zoom because I was already doing that in a different context. And then once the world shut down, we just went to completely online and it was really good. I mean, we've you, we're in Los Angeles, so there's lots of people that are into kink, uh, but classes are kind of a crapshoot, like really popular classes, best case scenario, you got like 40 people in the room, right? Most of the time, it's five or 10 people. I think it's important for those people, but it's also challenging, especially if you've got an instructor who's traveling, you know, from out of state or from another part of the state to, to come teach and there's only five people there. It's kind of tough, right? But with Zoom, uh, people have just been able to show up because they don't have to leave their house. It doesn't matter where they are in the world. And so we've been having as many as 100 people show up to classes. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And how does and how do people find out about these classes? We do a lot of social media promotion, so it's, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, FetLife. We always create a FetLife event and an Eventbrite event. And inevitably like one person finds us through Eventbrite, and I don't <laughs> I don't know how that happens. I've never found something <laughs> because I was searching Eventbrite. But, um, but yeah, I think a lot of people see it on FetLife. A lot of people see it on Instagram and Twitter. We used to have a big TikTok contingency. Um, I got really popular on TikTok like a year ago. But it's like a love affair. And I feel like they fell out of love with me and they still wanted me to show up. And I'm like, uh, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. All right. Well, we'll include uh, in the show notes information sure. about how people can – can look up all these events because I want to sign up for some classes. I really do too now. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. I would have done that like over thing. pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of things, let's get to your thing. Okay. Which is Rara, fucking. It's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> Why not? Well, first of all, there's no video, so we can't really do things, but. <laughs> okay, he gets me. <laughs> Robert's just like, shut up. <laughs> Fine. We'll talk about his thing anyway. <laughs> and his thing is mind fucking. Yeah. So why don't we just start off with the basics? What exactly is mind fucking? Yeah. So mind fucking is first and foremost a practice in BDSM, right? It's It's not this like abstract concept. It's a thing people do. And mindfucking is when you go to consensually and erotically and ethically manipulate your partner. There, It can be all kinds of different ways. It can be like really positive and funny. It can be really dark and scary. It can be, you know, uh, humorous. It can be all kinds of things, right? It can be really sweet. You know, there's this one story that it didn't make it into the book because everybody like tells the same story and nobody can tell me who did it. 
but okay, it's, I'm excited now because I yeah. read every single one of your interludes in yeah. the book. I actually skipped through and I read all the interludes. So this is something that's not in the book. It's not in the book. Yeah. But so okay. it, I did, I came across it as a story when I was doing research because I talked to a lot of people about like how they do mind fucking because I wanted to share a lot of different perspectives. Right. So there's this story again, cannot be attributed to a specific person, but I heard it a few different times. There was this bottom who had consented to a humiliation scene and specifically body writing. And so for those that aren't aware, body writing is just what it sounds like. Somebody goes and takes a pen or lipstick or whatever and writes on that person's body. The bottom was blindfolded, so they couldn't see what was being written around on them. And they were led around the dungeon and various people were able to come and, and write things on them. And so they were expecting to see things like pig, worthless, slut, whore, nasty. The usual. Yeah, the huge. Right? <laughs> but instead, the first thing that was written was tell me something you like about me. Oh. Right. So their dom, their dom like set up the situation wrote it across their chest so that everybody else was immediately in on it. Then it was like, you have a great smile. You've got awesome tits. You're so funny. I'm, you're so kind. I really appreciate our friendship. Like all these really nice things, right? And so here this bottom was with their eyes closed, already sort of filling in the blanks of what humiliation looks like for them. And so they're feeling probably feeling humiliated and degraded and all of that, right? And then they open their eyes and they see it in the mirror and they're like, holy shit. And they, you know, immediately burst into happy tears. See, that's my kind of, that's my kind of scene right there. Mm -hmm. Well, because that to you is humiliating. That is humiliating to me. So I yeah, would actually, I would look at it and be like embarrassed as shit to see that stuff written on me, mm. but I'd also like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what's tricky about erotic humiliation. It's really personal. But, but I think what she was expecting was degrading, and instead she got ennobling, which is the opposite of degrading, right? She got all these compliments, all these positive things. And I'd also call that like a perspective change mindfuck or perhaps an illusion mindfuck because, you know, their, their dom created the situation where they had all these expectations of, of negativity, all these expectations of like really harsh feelings, and then bam, it's all positive. Yeah, that's actually really cool. Yeah. I, I also did like dig to play deep with into the ennobling part. <laughs> we'll get into that later. That was good, though. No, I was they just going to say, getting I, distracted. I also love playing with terror. Like, it, I, positive is great and all, but I just, I love, like, mortal peril in a sexual situation. It's just really exciting. <laughs> the story in your book, the, I believe it was the first interlude you wrote about doing uh, a knife play scene with yeah. somebody is that what you're talking about with the like the mortal terror part yeah i mean he or was sure he was dead like he was right. <laughs> and i got to hear what he sounds like when he when gets he's dying yeah when he's dying <laughs> he was like oh! <laughs> i'm sure i don't sound any better but <laughs> i probably i feel like we should not laugh at somebody's dying gasp <laughs> but at the same time <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. And the same Maybe time, you do should it. explain that scene to somebody do before it. we sound like we're encouraging murder. Yeah, don't murder anybody. Um, well, Hard so limit. Yeah, I mean, I'll. I don't want to reveal too much from the book, but I'll definitely. I can talk about this 
you know, interlude number one. And so basically I was teaching the mind fucking class at Threshold, which is another dungeon in the Los Angeles area. And I had the event coordinator come up and volunteer. And I asked him all kinds of questions to try to get, you know, permission for specific activities. And I had him hold my knife. I like, uh, I like a folding knife. I like something that sounds, you know, heavy and has that nice click to it. And, um, you know, I keep my knives razor sharp and, uh, and I'm, I said, here, hold this, show me that it's real, show the audience that it's real. So he's holding the knife. He's like, yeah, he opens it and closes it. It's real. It doesn't have a, no, no apparent trick or contraption. And I said, okay, give it back to me. And I take it and I put it in my back pocket. And I change the subject. I start talking about something else. And then I reach back into the same pocket and pull out uh, a trick knife, a different knife uh, that with any amount of pressure, the blade just like goes into the handle. And even the blade is like a thin piece of plastic too. So even if it didn't go into the handle, it's not, it's not even going to poke him. It wasn't even pointy. It was like round. And I grabbed him by the shoulder. And with my other hand, I proceeded to pretend to stab him like 20 times, <laughs> you know, just oh, wow. right in there. Like, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would freak me the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and like, it's obviously not a knife as soon as you have a second to calm down. So. So yeah. he, he legitimately thought that you stabbed him. Yeah. I mean, I was fast. He had just seen a, a real knife. He had just held it in his hands. You know, and then before he had a chance to even look at it, I'm, I'm jamming it into his gut, except Fantastic. not really. <laughs> oh, just another night at the dungeon. Yeah, rah, rah, that's another level of blood play for you. Hey, I'm all for blood play. That may be a little too much even for me. Well, and ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, if you are going to stab somebody, not that I'm encouraging it, probably don't do it in front of 50 people that are looking at you. Yeah. How, how about, how about don't do it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Or you just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, fine, be that way. I'm just stating for, like, legal purposes, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Do not stab and don't murder stab people. people. Dad. Just Fuck pretend. you guys, is it going to be that kind of podcast? <laughs> yes. yes, it is. Jesus. <laughs> okay, so what is the history behind mindfucking? You know, the history behind mindfucking is really challenging because there is lots of non-consensual mindfucking or non-ethical mindfucking or not erotic mindfucking, right? Like the concept of mindfucking goes far beyond what we do in general. And so like we can look at that and we can look at, you know, what is the history of mental manipulation and that it really parallels the development of psychology. I mean, it would be easy to imagine some peasant in ancient Egypt like making a paper mache pharaoh's hat and like being like, oh, come get this pharaoh dick, you know? Like, <laughs> so, like, it's, it's, I feel like it's innately human, you know? I feel like it's there, but, but if, <laughs> but if, um, yeah, no, it's pharaoh cool. Dick. I pictured, I pictured a pharaoh a, dick. A cousin in like rags putting on a little hat and be like, yeah, pharaoh dick, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm just like, Oh my That's god! It. We've lost Dara again. I yeah. fell off the chair. 
<laughs> you fell off the chair. No, okay. I I'm going to make it even off. weirder. I'm going to make it even oh, weirder. God. They used to like wrap their beards and stuff. You know, have like that like mm-hmm. stiff, stiff uh, beard. You can just make no, it into a fucking no, dildo. No, don't just, do, don't do that. Just do it. <laughs> oh, just fuck with the chin dough. Wait, isn't that a thing now? Yeah, no, like, it's, a, there's it's a, a chin dildo. A, yeah, chin strap dildo. Yeah. No, there's a ball. There's like a like a ball gag type thing, but instead of a ball, it's, it's a dildo. It's no. a dildo, and then and but it's going the other no, way. Right, that they can face yeah, 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 themselves yeah. on your yeah. yeah right. no, and they also no. have one that's like specifically for the chin. You can get a All chin right. strap historical, dildo. Yeah. Historical porn. I like it. I dig this. Yeah, excellent <sighs> yeah. addition okay. to your pharaoh costume, the chindo. <laughs> 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 uh. Oh crap! Okay, you go because because yeah, I've lost you. Well, okay, I'm dead. well, no. Yeah. So, so let me let me come back to what we're talking about. So, we're talking about like the history of it, right? But if so, in the book, I sort of wanted to say, okay, we're talking about ethical, consensual, erotic mind fucking. So we can track we can track those separate components. We can say like, okay, like mind fucking came from the development of psychology. So, like the you know eighteen hundreds. And then, you know, we can also track where the consensual stuff came from. And our modern concept of consent is actually really recent, right? Like that came about in like the 40s and 50s. So we really, we can't say (laughs) that people were ethically and erotically and consensually mindfucking each other in 1800 if they didn't have that same form of consent, right? They would have like blanket consent or implicit consent. Like for example... In many countries now still, but in the United States, like, no states would prosecute you for, like, raping your wife. Because if you're married, then that's consent, right? And that was, like, 1950. And, of course, they do now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and uh, honestly, I think it wasn't until the 90s. There was – it wasn't until 1990s when every state in the United States, you could actually prosecute your spouse for rape. And PSA of the day – you can rape a spouse. Yeah. Let's just put that out there. Yes, it is illegal now in all 50 states, so don't do it. The yes to marry you does not mean yes to everything else. Okay, PSA over. <laughs> Fucking took long enough. <laughs> well, and unfortunately, that's still not the case in a lot of countries. Right. But, you know, when we're talking about the modern concept of consent, that's, you know, we can track it to the women's liberation movement, you know, 50s and 60s. So I don't think people were really mind fucking. It, it, it's tough because they were they were mind fucking through all of human history, changing expectations to to switch it up for your partner, all kinds of fun things. You know, you can they're just innately human. But I think that we the practice as a cultural practice can really be tracked to the emergence of the leather community in the United States, which again was 1950s, 1960s, post World War II. I mean, it's it's interesting to me because. Long before you and I ever spoke, I'd always included, I mean, mind fucking would tend to be part of like impact scenes, at least for my world. A lot of times, you know, where they, let's say they rub your right cheek with one paddle. And so then you start to expect that that's what you're going to get hit with and where, and then the whack comes on the left cheek with an entirely different instrument. And you're like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck happened? Yeah. But I never really... Thought it, I mean, yeah, we called it mind fucking or fucking with your mind, but I never thought of it as like an entire thing that like scenes would be based on. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. as more part of a scene. Just as more something that was just included in a scene to mm-hmm. 
to take it up a, a, a notch the scene. Yeah, an aspect. As an, especially as you don't impact, so I know. But as an impact bottom, a lot of your scene is anticipation. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if your top gets into a rhythm, you know when the next hit is coming. And it's, it's part of your processing the pain is I know what's coming. I know what's going to happen. I'm getting prepared for it. And then they fuck with you and they change it up. Mm-hmm. I have started to include a bit more of that for my clients, like for electro CBT. I will try to change it up as often as possible and try very hard not to get into a rhythm. I had one client who wanted to do CBT and regular hitting at the same time, like on the rest of them. So I was like alternating and doing a little bit here and then switching it up and then waiting for like a few seconds in between and then doing something, the same thing mm-hmm. when he was expecting the first one. So I, I'm like, I'm with Rara. I never really thought of that as its own separate thing. Like, right. Like you would have a mind fucking scene. Yeah. <laughs> I never, much. I never put that as its own scene. Well, I mean, it can be, but it, but it certainly doesn't have to be, you know, I do think it is an aspect of a lot of scenes. And what what's really challenging is, that it mirrors the modality of emotional abuse, except it has consent and it has that ethics, right? And it is erotic. But people are afraid to teach the class because they don't want to enable bad actors. But it's my opinion that if we're enab- if we're educating everybody, then the bottoms know when it's fuckery and they know how to stop something that shouldn't be happening or to to, you know, educate the top into doing it the way that they ought to do. And and it's been my experience that the bottoms are the ones that are actually doing the reading. So I don't feel I don't feel like I'm enabling a lot of bad actors. You know, I'm I'm in fact I'm empowering bottoms more than than anything else. Yeah, I mean having been in a situation where my Dom at the time was doing a lot of gaslighting, looking back now, I, I would definitely put that under mind fucking. But the non-ethical, non-consensual mind fucking, mm-hmm. which basically just makes it abuse. Yeah, if it's not if it's not uh, ethical and consensual, it's abuse. I mean, you can even get consent to do something, but if you know that you're doing harm, if you know that that person isn't educated enough to to stop you from doing something negative to them, uh, then it's it's still abuse, even if you do have consent. So, is that what motivated you to to actually? write this book and teach classes on mind fucking. I love it. I mean, I also was a victim of gaslighting. And so it's erotic to me because it disempowers that, you know, like gaslighting is really tough because you can like have a persistent voice in your mind, even when that person is gone. And so if I can eroticize it, then I can disempower it. Like, Imagine you had like the image of your abuser like in your head. Now, if I can put them in clown makeup, like it's not so bad. Right? right. If I can make it weird, then it's not scary anymore. It's just weird. Well, if you're scared of clowns, you yeah, know, that's not probably not do be the smartest, but yeah, so it's kind of like it's like taking your power back. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's what drew me towards it in the first place. And I remember looking for it. I remember really trying to find resources and and coming up pretty empty-handed. And somebody even said to me, if you want to learn how to do mind fucking, just look up emotional abuse tactics. And I was like, that doesn't seem safe. Yeah, that was terrible advice because it isn't that's not how we do it. You don't you don't get the benefit of the contextual 
information of the community. So um, I realized that there was not a resource. You know, I also I also saw that the mind fucking classes when they were offered were really popular. So I I really leaned into that and was like, this is the class I want to be teaching because if I can have a class, if if the class I'm teaching is consistently full then the energy I'm putting into it is worth it, right? People are getting the message. I'm getting opportunities. That's the way to do it, right? You don't want to teach a class nobody goes to. And, uh, you know, I started doing research into it to be better at the class. And I realized, you know, there's a lot of BDSM books out there, but there isn't anything on mindfucking. Like, there's no competition. I mean, you could argue that perhaps the erotic hypnosis literature is kind of close, but I think they draw the consent line in a very different way. So uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's the book that people need, right? So I so I saw a need, and I filled it. We actually just did an episode a little while ago on erotic hypnosis, so it'd be interesting to get tactics and Sir Ezra together to debate that and see where that conversation goes. I would yeah, feel like they would probably agree on most things. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think it'd just be a really fun conversation just to listen to their voices. Maybe, yeah, they both yeah. have great they both have great speaking voices, but you just you just want to do that. Yeah. I just want to listen to the two of them talk. I, you know, I'll just listen and y'all talk about, you know, pigs and I'll just be like, okay. Uh-huh. Magicians <laughs> also. Like you could you could call so there's like a lot of like uh mind fucking illusions. There's a lot of illusions that you can use for for erotic purposes. Um, but a magician never reveals his secrets, right? But a mindfucker absolutely has to. And a mindfucker needs to reveal the secret, needs to uncover the illusion to unfuck the mind. Or else it wouldn't actually be a mindfuck, would it? No, it would just be like abuse. It would you just be taking yeah. advantage of somebody. Like I can tell you that I'm psychic and I can penetrate the depths of your mind and I can see all of your dirty thoughts right now, you know, and make you feel really vulnerable. But um, hiding. Yeah. but at a certain point, I need to reveal like that's not the case. You sat, you can still have your private thoughts and I'm not, I don't have power over you. All right, cool. So what, it, what are the exact distinctions between mind fucking and abuse? We keep circling around it, but let's just put it right out there. Yeah. I mean, consent and ethics, it's right there. I, you know, I think you can do mind fucking that's not erotic. You can sort of do BDSM mindfucking for for therapeutic reasons, and so it doesn't. It's not always sexy. I think people should stick with sexy at least at first before they start doing shadow work. But um, if you haven't gotten explicit and enthusiastic consent, then then it potentially is abuse. And if what you're doing is not ethical, if you don't have the best interest of your bottom in mind, then then it's not it's not BDSM. It's just abuse. Could you give us an example of something that would not be considered ethical in that case? Sure. Okay. So, um, my partner is an arachnophobe. Okay. So, so huh. star. Uh-huh. Okay. So, you're going to love this story. Great. I'm so I, excited. And I already love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I mean, I can, I can expose my partner to spiders. I can expose them. Uh, in a way that, you know, I they're be, they'll be terrified. You know, I can put a venomous spider on their body. If they if they stay calm, they're not going to get bit, right? Because snake because spiders bite when they're cornered, not just randomly. <laughs> Poor Dar's cringing. Yeah. I can be like, "Hey, if you stay calm, you'll be safe." 
I've given you that information. If my partner's an arachnophobe, they're not going to fucking stay calm. I know this, and I'm putting them in danger. So even if I had a partner who was like, okay, I trust you, go ahead and do it. I've got consent, but I'm putting them in harm's way. Okay, because their instinct is going to be to freak the hell out mm-hmm. and smack it. Yeah, and I know about consequences that they don't that they haven't thought about. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, and and they with that level of fear they couldn't really control. No. Even if they knew the consequences, even knowing that if I move or get or go crazy, that will make the situation worse. They're not able to mm-hmm. do that because of that level of fear. Sure. Or I, even to use the same example, like we can role play. Like I can be like, there's a spider on you and I've got like a feather and I'm touching them. Even though there is no spider, if I know that they are going to, you know, have that trauma response, if I know they're going to go like catatonic <laughs> and I know that that's, they haven't, they don't want to go catatonic. They don't want to go to that really dark place where they just fear you know, they're in total fear, then, you know, maybe I find that really hot. Maybe I really like that when they're quivering and totally incapacitated. But that if they haven't consented specifically to that state of mind, and I draw them there without their permission, then that's abuse. Or if I know they'll be worse off for the experience, right? Like, I don't want to traumatize my partner. A friend of mine actually tried that. She she was walking behind me and, and she just started doing this at the back of my neck like she was a spider. And my first instinct was to turn around fists up ready to like punch whatever it was that was next to me. <laughs> and she is so lucky that she was faster than I was because I was ready to like hit whatever beastie was behind me. Uh-huh. But then she just looked at me like, okay. She never did it again because I was, I was ready. Consequences. <laughs> For them. Yeah, well, she did not think that through, but luckily I held myself back. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't do spiders. No, no. Now, we, we, you talk in the book and you mentioned here about different kinds of mind fucks. Yeah, yeah, Can and I'm happy to go through those? the list. So yeah, so I, I've identified seven types of mind fucking, and I want to acknowledge that this is a novel categorization. This isn't. I didn't find this anywhere. And so it can be, it could be modified moving forward. It could be added to because this is just kind of a first go at breaking them down into their categories, right? The seven types of mind fucking that I had identified were expectation, perceived power, illusion, asymmetric information, perspective alteration, degrading or ennobling, and humiliation. Right. And I know the expectations, like what I talked about, that we do in impact, yeah. Yeah. where you get it in your head, oh, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to be hit with and where. And then it ends up being something entirely different. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. I'm actually really interested in the perceived power one. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit more about what that is? Yeah. So I think in, in BDSM, we do a lot of uh, power over role play. And for people who are not aware of the term power over, is distinctly different from power with. So, power with empowers all parties. Power over empowers one party at the expense of the other. So, most of the power that we see in the world is power over, power with. Like, um, if you have a teacher who's not an asshole, it's power with. Because that person is now in a, a, in a position of authority, but their job is to empower you as a student. And you have the ability to negotiate that. 
if, you know, if your teacher's a jerk, it's a different situation and they really want to be more controlling and act like a babysitter. Like a good example of power over is like prisoner and prison guard. So, oh, yeah. you know, the prisoner loses agency. The prisoner loses ability to make choices and the prison guard has control over those choices. Now, in BDSM, we might role play prison guard and prisoner and be like, I'm taking advantage of you. Fuck me for a pack of smokes. But it's but it's negotiated and either person can say, hey, let's stop right now. Both parties still have total agency. So uh, per- perceived power is when we use power situations or the perception of power situations to create those dynamics. And it can be role play. It can be, you know, like that prison guard role play. But it could also be like a dice game. It can also be like using chance where... I say to you, um, okay, let, let's say we, we both want to do five things, but then there's a sixth thing that you want to do that I don't really want to do. And I'll say, roll the die, and if you get six twice in a row, then we'll do that thing. And the chances are really small. It's like one in 36 that you would get the same number twice. I believe. Don't crucify me if I've got the wrong fucking statistics. <laughs> but the point don't is, don't worry. Neither one of us does math. You're good. Well, no, but the point is, like, I could say uh, that we're going to let the die decide, but really, I've I've used my knowledge of statistics to create a really small chance that that's going to happen, right? And so I'm making the choice, but we're relying on the the die to make the final choice, right? And so that's perceived power. So, like, that's a situation where. I am obfuscating, I'm confusing the amount of power that I have. Another situation would be like two switches where they both want to sub to each other and neither one wants to top and certainly neither one wants to dominate. And so who decides how it happens? You can say, okay, you know, I'm going to roll a die if it's three or above uh, or if it's, it's four or above, then I'm topping. If it's three or below then you're topping and now we've actually we've actually given you know the dice power in making that choice all right all right that's cool i'm trying to think i I, well no i'm just trying to think like i've played games with tops where the amount of hits i get are determined by math equations (laughs) and it's you know sometimes it's like pick from this category pick from this category multiply by this subtract by this divide by this and the funny thing is i played games where I'll answer where I'll answer and they'll tell me I'm wrong and then just pick a totally different number. Uh, and they yeah. got me like, and I'm like, going, wait, wait a minute, but I, I know my math is right. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. I, I would have just answered kangaroo. I don't, I'm not oh. going to play that. That's math. <laughs> no. That, I, well, I've, I've had, I've played games where I have to answer what state capitals are. Oh, and yeah. the funny thing is, is like, I've gotten it wrong, even though it turned out I was right. Mm-hmm. It just, it almost didn't matter what it I said. Matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And that's that's perceived power because they are they know all things, right? And nobody knows all things. I mean, I love my favorite one is like the psychic one, right? We're miles and miles away from each other. And I got you to blush because I told you that I could read your thoughts. Right? And you just felt exposed. And if I could maybe call your best friend and get some incriminating information that I shouldn't know and be like, oh, hey, what about that one thing? Right? Then you're like, oh no, that's evidence that you actually are psychic. Right? And so, you know, to come I'm back to ideas. your to come back to your question of like abuse versus play, 
the, it's really subtle because the only thing that I would need to do to change that situation of play into abuse is to never reveal to you that it was a trick. Right? Oh, if so I, to never say, hey, I got the information from your best friend. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. Yeah. I was just fucking with you. If you can't say I was just fucking with you, then that's because you're holding on to that power. And instead of it being a power with situation, it's, it's a power over situation. I'm holding power over you because you have this illusion, this this perceived power that I have. It's interesting. It's cool. I, I, I'm starting to see that I, my mind fucking played a lot more part in a lot of my scenes than I had even realized. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it really is a book for everybody because it's, everybody does it. It kind of, you do it even when you don't mean to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you and I have done stuff to each other. And we it's do just, it as we're recording the podcasts. That's true. <laughs> One of my favorites is the like asymmetric information. That's just like, I know something you don't know. I could say, I'm going to tell you a secret at the end of this podcast. And now you're like excited, right? And I don't even have a secret. I don't even know what I would say. But like, it doesn't matter because I got you excited. And like, I think that's one that people do all the fucking time. Because how many people have, have like been like talking to their partner on the phone or over text and they're like, I've got a surprise <laughs> for you when I get home. I, I yeah, I do that. I will right? freely admit. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I never because I do it as a little to my daddy. Mm-hmm. I be like, hey, daddy, guess what? I got something really cool to tell you, and I'm like, hype it up, and I'm like, really going for it. I do this all the time, and he's like, what? What have you got that's really cool to tell me? I'm like, no, for real, it's super awesome. And he's like, all right, what is it? And I'm like, I forget. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> well, and and you know that's manipulative, right? But yeah, just because it's well, just because it's manipulative doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, I mean, you're you're both adults. You can negotiate that. You can say, "Hey, I don't really like it when you tease me." Like personally, I uh, I don't enjoy surprises. You're gonna I do something either. for my birthday? Fucking tell me what it is so that I can be appropriately excited. You know? <laughs> yeah. If you if you and say if it's I not have a exci- surprise and if it's not exciting I have time to get ready to fake it. Yes. Sure. Sure. Uh, if it's if you tell me I have a surprise and you have to wait this many days to get it, I'm going to like punch you in the face. I'm like don't motherfucker There's you need a to lot tell of me what it is. I am violent, okay? <laughs> I look, my first reaction is punch then run away. For somebody who doesn't do impact, you are a very violent person. I don't like to receive it. It doesn't mean I don't like to give it. <laughs> But it's usually accidental giving yeah. where it's just like a knee-jerk reaction. So it's like, what, fight, flight, or freeze? <laughs> hmm Spider, I'm going to – I parkoured out the door one time when there was a spider on my floor. So <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So going back to the whole little and like I forget thing, like he's fully aware that that's what I'm doing. Even if I hype it up at this point, mm-hmm. he knows that I'm going to be like either I forget or never mind or I love you or something like really inane. Mm-hmm. And he's he's he knows that this is what's coming. So it's is that considered? Is it still manipulative? Even though he like really knows? No, I mean it is manipulative. I just it's not necessarily unethical because you both are in a position to negotiate that. Okay, right. Cool. I mean it's almost. I don't, I don't want to say like consent by you know acceptance or whatever like you know he's consented to it because when it happens he doesn't say hey i didn't enjoy that like let's not do that now 
right? No, he just calls me a silly girl. Yeah, there you go, which is kind of an acceptance. He kind of just accepted that. And if it really bothered him, he could talk talk to you and say, hey, I don't appreciate you teasing me this way. So, I mean, if we were doing that, if you were talking to me that way, I, I wouldn't enjoy that. And I would tell you. And and if you continue to do that, then it would be, you know, potentially abusive. But but Note it's not. to self, yeah. do not yeah. tease Sir Ezra yeah, no, about hyping things up and being like, I have a cool thing for you. Don't tease me at all. I don't want any yeah. of that. I don't want any really? teasing. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Uh-oh. I want it. I want it guaranteed. I want it served on a silver platter at a time that's already previously disclosed. I don't want any question marks. I want it all. Okay, so let me introduce you to Rara. <laughs> I love it. I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> One of my other favorite mind fucks to do is I know a lot of mind fucks during knife scenes. Knife mm. scenes really rely a lot on mind fucks. I've done, I've bought them for knife scenes where, of course, you're blindfolded so you can't see what's happening. And um, and I read something similar in one of your stories where you find out afterward it wasn't even a knife, like it was just a credit card. It was something. Yeah. I love those. <laughs> and and so like you're freaking out and you're just petrified to move because God forbid if you move, the knife might cut you. And then it was never a fucking knife in the first place. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, oh, what the scene from The Punisher? Which the one? one where he's got a, he's got this guy hanging up in chains and he has a blowtorch and he's talking about how. You know, this thing is so hot, it feels cold, but that's just your nerves stripping and I'm going to burn you all the way down to the bones and it'll feel cold. And then he takes a popsicle and runs it up and down his back while having the blowtorch noise in the background. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mind fucking. Look at, I'm, I'm looking at your face. It's like, you're going to do that, aren't you? You're going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wear a Punisher sh- shirt while doing it, though. That's the rule. Sure. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll wear my cop outfit, and then I'll have the Punisher patch. Okay. That's, okay. That's fair. Okay, he has a cop outfit. Of course I have a cop outfit. And a great voice. Are you now? <laughs> this is, and look at it. Lo- and he's got long hair. How yeah, does I, I actually already noted that. <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when I first saw him in the camera, I was like, ooh, hair. Hello. <laughs> I have a leather cop outfit. Okay, now you've just... <laughs> That's it. You, I think that's the same look that I get when I think of Chris Evans' ass. It's that's uh, it. yeah. <laughs> Please tell me you wear your hair down for the when you put on the cop outfit, I, though. I haven't worn it since I grew my hair out. Honestly, yeah, I don't. I don't wear my leathers as often as I'd like. That's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> that is a damn shame, sir. <laughs> They're hot. Yes, yeah, they are. It's very hot have- to be wearing 100 percent leather. I, I have a leather dress. I, I feel you. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 They are hot. I do. I wear my leather vest a lot, um, which is right here. Here, I can show you. Well, this okay. isn't going to be visual, so. No, but no. But it'll put Dar in a good mood, and that's always helpful. I'm already me. in a good mood. For have me. you seen his hair? There you go. There's, Ooh, there's the nice. patch on the leather vest. And I wear that. I wear that maybe once a, once a week, every other week or something like that. That's there nice. I have... Um, I think I actually developed like a bit of a leather thing when I went to see a corn concert and Jonathan Davis was wearing a leather kilt. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's hot. That's some- literally and figuratively. Yeah, no, he yeah, just looked spectacular in it, too. Yeah. All right. Would you like to get back on top? Yeah. Here? So <laughs> that's another thing we do. <laughs> that's another thing we do is just we just randomly go off on tangents and uh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> You're just still thinking about Chris Evans' ass. 
I'm I'm always thinking about Chris Evans' ass. Don't start with that. <laughs> Don't start. I will never get her back. Look at her. All right, guys, drink. She's crying. <laughs> Is that the game? Yes. <laughs> when I either I laugh so hard the tears come, or she laughs so hard she snorts. It's when we start drinking. There you go. Yeah. People like legit think that we're actually drunk doing this, but <laughs> we're not. We're, we're not. Just we're just we're just this crazy. We're just stupid. Yeah. Um <laughs> in your book, you talk about the fries model. Uh-huh. Can you uh in case People who listen haven't heard of that. Can you explain that? Sure. Yeah. So I believe it was coined by Planned Parenthood. And the FRIES uh, model for consent is an acronym, F-R-I-E-S. And it's freely given, reversible, informed, uh, enthusiastic, and specific. So I really like that because it really spells out what consent is. And I think the only thing I've heard in terms of criticisms of it is the enthusiastic component. And I remember that that was an issue that I, when I first heard it, I was like, some people just can't be enthusiastic. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is my pet peeve mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And so (laughs) I've, um, and there's reasons why people could be not enthusiastic, like, right. Like, um, like trauma survivors or, you know, people with medical conditions, like, if you're like, if you have to take Kalanapins or something for med- for medical reasons, like you can't be excited about anything ever. Like, it's not <laughs> you're not physically capable. You know, embodied is a potential alternative, right? Embodied, so you're not you're not just like saying yes with your head. You're like you're feeling in your whole body that you want us to that you want to do it. We came up with SAC. Okay. It's um sincere active consent. That's nice. Yeah. So active instead of enthusiastic is what mm-hmm. we went for. Because Rara, when she's about to get hit with a cane, they're like, okay, you ready? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times my yes has a question mark at the end when I know something is going to hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of enthusiastic because I'm always pushing myself. So while I am active and sincere in my consent to do something, it's hard to be enthusiastic about something that I know is going to hurt a hell of a lot. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, it's worth inspecting ambivalence. Like, you know why you're ambivalent. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes people don't understand why they're feeling ambivalent. And if you are, like, trying to consent to something, but you're like, yes, and you don't know why it's not like a solid yes, like you need to look at it. You need to figure out what's going on because um, it's like I always say, like, I'd rather you want something and not get it than get something and find out later that you didn't want it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So here's here's a, a challenging thing. You you talk about what, what makes the mind fucking not abuse is, is the consent aspect of it. How do you consent though without giving away the mind fucking? So um in, in the example of with the knife play mm-hmm. and it's not being not being an actual knife. I mean, you don't want to give away that secret, at least the first time you're playing with somebody. So mm-hmm. how do you necessarily get the consent without giving away sure. the secret? Well, you can always get consent for something and not do it. Uh-huh. That's totally ethical. Like I know somebody who 
I did, well, I don't want to give that away, but I, I can be glib about it to not give it away from the story. But somebody like was like, I'm going to give you a medication and it's going to make you this way. And then they just got like a placebo, right? Like that's ethical. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with like, I gave you a Flintstone vitamin and <laughs> now you think that you're more pliable. I, I read that one too. Yeah. So I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. So that one was interesting. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, you could use a Flintstone vitamin or what? what is it? You can give them a Spirin tablet, and it's uh, but it's going to make you super duper happy. Spirin is aspirin with the A scratched off. Mm, there you go. <laughs> It'll make you really horny. Um, right? You know, and that's that's another example of perceived power. Um, but to, to talk about- but Green M&Ms did that. <laughs> yeah. Green M&Ms make you horny. Is that you it? You did not know this? What planet have you been living on that you did not know that the green M&Ms make you horny? I know that orange ones make me ill. No, green M&Ms are supposed to make you horny. I think somebody mind-fucked you and never never released you from that illusion. (laughs) (laughs) It's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, Okay, (laughs) rah-rah. Well, so so there's a couple things that you can do, right? Like, um, I I talk about two specific tactics. One is the uh, spamming and the other is long-term planning. So if we sat down and we had a conversation about what we can do and what I can't do and all of that and decided we're going to play in three months, are you going to remember? I don't know if you're going to remember, but I'm going to write everything down. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So you don't remember what I'm planning on doing. Uh, The other thing that you can do is spamming. I could ask you a thousand questions and five of them are relevant. Right. And you can't because your brain just doesn't capture that much information. You can't remember all the things that I that I asked you. Right. And so I got informed consent. You said I could do it, but you also said I could do a whole bunch of other things and you can't remember what is actually relevant to the scene. Interesting. So is is pulling a prank on someone considered a mind fuck? Uh, in the non erotic sense. Sure. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's again, you have to reveal that this is what we did and this is how we did it. If you're not, if it, if this isn't a sexual relationship, if this isn't a BDSM relationship, the rules are really different. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, um, that's why, like, magicians aren't abusive just because they aren't saying, hey, like, I don't have powers. This is how this trick is done. Well, what if, what if you're, you are in the BDSM relationship with that person and, they say, oh, yeah, I'm going to pull like a prank. And it's, um, I don't know. I, I I just, I was thinking of a party where half of the party was pulling pranks on the party girl, on the birthday girl. Mm-hmm. And it was hysterical. And you said something about the long game. This was set up months in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Like, that sounds like, that sounds like a mindfuck to me. Yeah, absolutely. It was, everybody involved was in BDSM. We just weren't in a BDSM relationship with the birthday girl. I got, um, I got like a kit from my my uh, my mind fucking mentor like hung up his hat and he gave me all this stuff and among it was uh was a confetti popper it looks like a push pop but you fill it with confetti and like slam the bottom and it just shoots out confetti and i was like what the fuck is this for <laughs> but it's totally it can totally be used for a mind fuck like number one the guy who's got to clean it up like fucking hates you <laughs> in number two, yeah, you're I covered will. in glitter. That shit is not going anywhere. No, that that's herpes stuck. and craft supplies yeah. right there. No. 
Yeah, you're going to have to think of me for months. Yeah. <laughs> and not kindly. Um, <laughs> unless, so if you did that to Rara, just make sure you put pink glitter in yeah. it and then she'll If she'll you be make happy. it pink, all can be forgiven. Or maybe, you know, I wait until the moment of your 10th orgasm and then I pop it. And that was the goal the whole time to get you to have 10 orgasms and you're celebrating it. And now every moment you see that glitter, you can't help but think about 10 wonderful orgasms. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Oh my, it's like a party that you just popped in celebration. That's hysterical. I think you should celebrate 10 orgasms. It's a that lot. Yeah. is a reason to celebrate. I, I kind of want to do that now, but I don't want that much glitter in my room. Yeah. And for people listening, there is something called organic glitter. That it biodegrades and doesn't murder fish. So, okay, I don't it's advocate important. the use of excessive glitter uh, if it's plastic. If it's if it's biodegradable, you know, have your fun. One of the things you talk about in the book is that mind fucking falls under the category of edge play because of the risks involved. Mm-hmm. What are some of those risks? Um, trauma. You can traumatize somebody. You can really you can do emotional damage. And I think that's really substantial. What's really tricky about that is like if we're doing knife play and I and we have agreed that we're not going to do any cutting and I cut you, I know. I have seen it. You are bleeding. We can both see that, right? Um, <laughs> emotional damage isn't always apparent right away. Like, yes, sometimes you get, you know, visibly traumatized and you're in that like catatonic state, but other times you're not. Other times you just, it just changes your mind in a way that may not be apparent for days or months or even years later. And so that's why it's edge play because it can be really tough to triage those, those injuries. Yeah. I would imagine your pre-negotiations, you talk a lot about any potential triggers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like to say, you know, what does it look like when you get triggered? What do you need when you get triggered? If you start crying, do I need to stop or can I check in with you? And sometimes they'll set limits and say like, hey, like I I have cathartic scenes and I like to cry. And if I'm crying, like just keep going. And sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'm not ready for that today. You know, sometimes I'm just not in a place where I can like hit somebody till they're crying and then keep going. I need to stop and, and switch to like nurturing mode. Yeah. And some people like me, that that's for me, uh, you know, my scenes are not cathartic like that. So if I, if you've got me crying, this is usually not a good sign for yeah. the scene. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the big one is that you don't, you don't necessarily see when you've done damage. That's a big one. So I recommend, you know, make yourself available, not just the day after the month after, but like indefinitely. So if we did a mind fucking scene and you wanted to call me two years later about how, what we did was so fucked up that you can't stop thinking about it and it's affecting the way that you live your life. Like, I want to be there for you. I want to be available. I mean, I'm not a therapist, but um, certainly, you know, I can help you with closure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Are there any specific questions that you would have that are just relevant for mind-fucking negotiation? Hey, what are you afraid of? Spiders. Shut mm-hmm. up. Spiders and snakes, it. apparently. <laughs> Um, Never seen Chris Evans' ass again. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the, the big question is like, how do you want to feel, right? Because I can terrify you. I can I can make you feel terrified. But if you don't 
want that. If you don't like, if, if you don't like roller coasters, then I'm not going to make you feel terrified because that's not something that you would voluntarily do. So there's all kinds of mind fucks there. Like, like we've said, there's positive, there's funny, there's weird. You know, if you're afraid of clowns, I'm not gonna like dress up as a clown and, and blockade the door so you can't get out. <laughs> so what are some examples of funny or positive mind fucks? Well, we had the, 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 bo- the body writing one. I, my partner has a rubber chicken. As everybody does. Every like their toy bag includes a rubber chicken. And it's you're hilarious. Not the, you're not the first person I've heard that from. I'm just <laughs> it's saying. Hilarious. It's so good. It's so good. Um, somebody just said, like, I'll never forget the day that Queen Anna made me thank the chicken. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, you might say, like, oh, thank me for treating you so badly or something, right? But she's like, thank the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I know what I'm getting Rara for her birthday. Oh, rubber chicken! Oh, okay. Here, here's a fun one, right? So, um, I have a partner who like laughs as a stress response, right? Mm-hmm. So I sort of set up the scenario that even though I know that that's that's just what they're doing, it's nothing about me. That I'd be like, "Oh, are you laughing at me? How could you <laughs> laugh at me?" And I'll like share something really vulnerable so that it's even more potent because I'm just like smacking her her ass and so she's laughing uh but i was like telling her my fantasy and i'm like how could you laugh at my fantasy you're a terrible person you know <laughs> like so but in and the psychological torment and the physical torment all get her to laugh and so now it's like an excuse to do more of it so that's totally positive cuz then she's just laughing hysterically cuz you you know you say don't laugh and you're going to laugh more yeah so are those are those your favorite kinds to do, or do you prefer the more intense ones, the scary kind? Yeah. Okay. My two favorite are like terror and like hysterical. Yeah, laughter and and terror. Terror is Very really opposite ends of the spectrum, but the the extremes. They're just I'm bad. laughing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> As a good sadist does. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love I love power. I love like this feeling of power, and there's nothing like you know inescapable mortal terror to um to like help you feel powerful right yeah i feel like you could do some good voices behind the person when they're blindfolded and whatnot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well you'll see i mean like i know i've seen tops that they use they have let's say single tails mm-hmm. and they'll make it make the cracking sound so you're expecting something really heavy and hard and then you don't get the heavy hard hit but boy they freak you the fuck out with that cracking sound oh yeah absolutely as a sadist, those are fun. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do whips. And every time I'm, I mean, I'm going to spoil it, but every time I do whips with somebody, I'm going to be gentle to start with, but I'm also going to crack that whip like right next to them mm-hmm. to start. You know, before we get started, it's like, pow. <laughs> and then it's like, tap, 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 tap. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you don't really get a thing. I can't tell you how many scenes that I've done on both sides because I switch. With the expectation you're going to get hit here with this item, and then you change it up. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many times that same thing's happened to me. I fall for it every fucking time. I'll go into the mm-hmm. scene and I'll say, I'm not going to have the expectation. I know that they can change up on me. I know they can mess with me. And you just get into a rhythm mm-hmm. and you fall for it every fucking time. Yep. 
I guess I just have one final question, and this is something that kind of went through my head through reading the whole book. Mm-hmm. We kind of know what you get out of the mind fuck. <laughs> we we know. Look at that. I face love the right evil there. grin. It's perfect. <laughs> we know you're the sadist that is like, yeah, getting all this out of it. What does the person on the receiving end of the mind fuck get out of it? I mean, eventually, my hard dick. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wow. Just I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I'm. I'm a sadist, but I'm like also a service top, right? And so I want to bring them to the place where they want to be. So if it's terror, they get excitement. Like, why does anybody get on a roller coaster, right? For that excitement. But they do, right? Roller coasters are big business. They do. They, watch they get on it. Scary movies. Yeah. Why I do don't people watch those scary movies? Who love going to the movie theater for the scary shit movies. Well, okay. So they can feel, they can feel alive. Right. They can feel like excited and alive. They can feel aroused. You know, any of these things are arousal, arousing, but um, terror, like the body doesn't distinguish between like positive and negative arousal. It's just arousal. Right. So um, they can feel aroused. They can feel excited. They can feel seen. If I'm like really dissecting like how their brain works and then I come in and like play them like a fucking fiddle. Like they feel seen, they feel, they really feel understood because I have to understand them to get it right. And I think that, you know, that psychology, that emotionality, I think, you know, anybody can come in and and give a spanking, but if you can get them to feel like just how they want to feel, then it's, it's going to be really special. You know, like some people want to feel, okay, I'm getting a spanking because I deserve it. Right. Or some people want to feel I'm getting a spanking, but I am such a princess and I get it just the way I want it and all these things. Right. You know, so, I mean, there's a million different ways to do it. And and when you get it just right, it's just magic. I mean, I I know for me, back to that impact scene scenario again with them switching up, I find it funny. It's like, Mm -hmm. ah, you got me. It's like a joke. You got me again. I fell for that one again. It, it makes me laugh every time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I'm on the other end of it. I do not like being terrified. I do not like being surprised. So I'm trying to figure out, but I am very interested in the whole mind fucking scenario. So I'm trying to figure out like, what would I ask for? What would I go for? What would I get out of it? Yeah. Well, that's well, but a, you, that's a you long said conversation. You're humiliation. And yeah. I think there's a lot of mind fucking you can do with humiliation. I've never mm-hmm. actually tried it. I want to. Mm. It's on my list, but I yeah. haven't actually gotten the chance to do it. If you can imagine like an erotically humiliating situation, then it's definitely for you. You imagine like being embarrassed in a way that is sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Exposed, perhaps. I can. Yeah, I can think of a few things actually. Okay, so here, so so let me let me take a stab, knowing you very little, right? Okay. Stab, stab, stab. Go um, for it. No, stab you know, me. Here, your partner has you blindfolded, Mm -hmm. right? And you enter a different room. Now, Mm -hmm. in this other room, you have a tremendous number of people. Everyone you know is there. And all of a sudden, you're being made to confess your deepest, nastiest fantasies in front of all these people. You raise up the blindfold, and you're fucking alone. You're just, it's just you and your partner. So they have they have manipulated you to have this experience where you get to have this extreme embarrassment without losing any face in front of all of your friends. That would work. Yeah. Uh, Daddy J, can- I hope you took notes. <laughs> can you see how red I'm turning right now? Yeah. 
Yeah. You probably can't see it because the lights are or anything, but I can actually feel the heat yeah. coming in my cheeks uh-huh. and my ears right now. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm, I, I will help Daddy J make that happen. Yeah, you and I are going to need to chat. Yeah. Do you need water? <laughs> do you need a cu- you need a cookie? Yeah. <laughs> I do need a cookie. Do you need some cuddles? <laughs> <laughs> we need some aftercare now. Ooh, I, I have ate, salami. I ate all the aftercare I salami. salami. I have more salami. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, for listeners, Ooh. what's really important to realize is – I didn't touch you. I didn't touch you. I didn't blindfold you. I didn't bring you anywhere. All I did was give you some words. Okay, but to be fair, you have a really amazing voice, and that is a, like a legit a fetish thing. of it mine. Absolutely. Why, thank you. Okay. <laughs> now he's now so you're just not being a fan. <laughs> I, I once I did a scene where it was just me and my partner on a voice chat. And we did this entire role-playing scene, and I was high for legitimately three days afterwards. I was still in subspace. Part of that was because his voice was goddamn incredible. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it was, yeah, the scene was really, really good. Okay. It's giving me more ideas for this scene that he described. I am going to reach out to your daddy, and we will talk. (laughs) I love it. I want to hear about it after. Oh, and maybe we'll record it. I really do have one thing specific in mind that I've had planned for years, but I I just I don't know how I'm going to really balance it. Mm. Yeah, see, and for me, I love the mind fucking. I don't do humiliation, but there's plenty of ways for mind fucking without humiliation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think again, we talked about like degrading versus ennobling. Like you can have like you can have a scene where you're royalty, where you're and I am. You know, you own all of the land. <laughs> And so, you know, so it's the opposite of degrading. It's not, you're not being put down, you're being brought up. Yes. So again, the way my brain works, that would embarrass the shit out of me. (laughs) And for me, I would expect it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I am a princess. I am Princess Rara for a reason, folks. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I like to- Worship at will. The ennobling play I like to do is like, I'll shower with my partner. And if I'm showering with my partner, I didn't wash myself at all. I'm just waiting. I'm the prince. You're like, wash me. Wash me, peasant. <laughs> like- <laughs> I like you. <laughs> I wash like the royal penis. Think. It's <laughs> not clean yet. <laughs> With what, though? <laughs> Everything. Well, it's, it's a two, it's a, it's a several-step process. Mm-hmm. You gotta make sure it's extra clean. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, for anybody who is interested in getting this book, and you should, because it is... It is going to make you think, and if you're anything like Dara and I, you will already be planning many, many scenes mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can use the book, and it, it they can get it from. Where's it available? It's available on Amazon as a paperback, as an ebook, and also as an audiobook. And then there's also an option if you want to be extra supportive, you can go to Gumroad.com/houseofalgos, and you can get a signed copy. And I want to dispel the rumor. Once and for all, <laughs> the books will be signed in blood. Okay, they will not be signed in blood. Um, because is it, is the it, one signed in blood available for an additional fee? Maybe, but no, it clogs the pen. I have a nice pen. I'm not trying to clog it with no, coagulated you blood. You, you finger paint. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I'll also say that my Gumroad is a wonderful place. Uh, between. Me and my partner, Queen Anna, we have like, I think two dozen classes that have all been recorded 
I know it can be challenging when we do these live classes. Some people can't catch them. Some people um, just, you know, can't sit still long enough. And so we have them as a la carte. You can go and, you know, get whatever class you want, when, watch it whenever you want and, uh, and get that BDSM education. Wonderful. And we will include all of this information in the show notes. So if you're panicking that you didn't hear that, don't worry. It'll all be in the show notes. <laughs> you can also rewind and listen again. Okay. You might not be old enough, but I remember the olden days of listening to music on cassette and constantly having to stop and rewind and stop and rewind to try to make sure you knew the actual words because we didn't have waycoollyrics.com. How to young look stuff do up. you think I am? I remember tapes. I still have them. Okay. They're all Madonna. <laughs> Love Madonna. <laughs> she was the original queen. Yes. Uh huh. Anyway. Anyway, thank you so much. This has been Sarah. I've enjoyed it immensely. I my mind is running over time now with ideas of mm-hmm. mindfuck scenes that I want to do and things I want to include. Her and birthday is going to go for a really long time because we're going to have to include every scene that she. Oh, I'm just going to have the whole month is going to be my birthday. <laughs> Excuse me, my birthday comes before yeah, yours. Yeah, your birthday comes early. <laughs> You're Can I already plug one done. more thing. Oh yes. please, yes. Okay, so um, I do intimacy coaching and a lot of times that can look a little bit like bdsm education it can be looking like you know helping people find their submissive side or their dominant side or how to find a partner but a lot of times it's overcoming shame it's overcoming challenges and blocks in your sexuality so you could be that wonderful sexy person that you were born to be and uh and the best way to do that is to go to my website houseofalgos.com and you can you can find out more about what coaching looks like. That's fantastic. I think we just need to go to LA. Yeah. If I ever make my way back out west again, I would love to go to Sanctuary. There's also um, Veronica is a wonderful pro dom mm-hmm. who I discovered fell in love with her Auntie Auntie V on TikTok, who mm-hmm. I know works at a sanctuary, and she I want to meet her too. Yeah. Oh, there's plenty of people that I want to meet out that way. Yeah, well, we throw parties too, so you come out and you can meet a lot of people. That'd be fantastic. I, I want to I miss. I would love to also go out to DomCon one of mm-hmm. these days. I've heard such fantastic things about DomCon. Yeah, we just finished uh, a DomCon and it was fully masked, fully vaxxed, so it's a different experience for sure. Okay, we got to get more money so we can go actually go out and do this. Maybe next year. Okay. That'll be, that could be our goal. That's our goal. So, all right. Well, thank you again. We've really enjoyed today. It's been awesome. Yeah, my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for hanging out with us today. If you have a question you would like answered or just have a story about the lifestyle you want to share, you can send us a voicemail and maybe it will be shared in a future episode. Just go to pinkkinkpodcast.com to contact us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife at the handle Pink Kink Podcast. Join our Facebook group, Pink Kink Podcast, and hang out with other pink kinksters. If you love what we do and are able to help support us, we are on Patreon. Just look for us on patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast. Even if you can't show your support financially, there are other ways you can help. You can spread the word about our kinky podcast and tell your friends about us. 
You can also rate and review Pink Kink on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The five-star reviews really help. Don't forget to subscribe to Pink Kink so you don't miss a minute of the fun. New episodes come out every Friday. So until next time, stay pretty, stay safe, and stay twisted.